In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. This is the 188th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to title this episode The Mitroff's Guitar Lessons. Falcons general manager Thomas Dimitrov had a chat with a virtual chat with the local media today. We're going to bring you uh, our questions for, from the uh, interview session to kick the thing off. Uh, we wanted to know about uh, how he viewed free agency, how it wrapped up for the team, and then get ahead a little bit on how the Falcons plan to operate in the virtual world on draft day, April the 23rd through the 25th. So we'll go to Thomas Dimitrov's audio. Then we'll wrap up. We'll talk about Todd Gurley, Dante Fowler, Hayden Hurst, the three pickups, then the draft needs. They came a little bit clearer here today after talking with Thomas for 40 40 minutes. And we'll share that with you. And then, uh, like we've been doing here, the last couple weeks in this pandemic world, kind of wrapping up with our um, binge watching uh, activities. But let's get right to the general manager here. We haven't heard from him since the combine. So that would have been the end of March. They've been working, working away, getting uh, their mobile sites together and so forth. But let's go right to Thomas Dimitrov here from earlier Tuesday afternoon. Give us a uh, wrap-up of your dealings in free agency and uh, how you think everything turned out for you guys. And uh, I'll just ask both of my questions now. Uh, second one, uh, how are you all prepared for the virtual draft? So first, D-Lad, as you know, from a free agency standpoint, um, I don't know what the expectations are. I know our own internal expectations were that we were going to potentially grab uh, two to three people that were going to help us and they were going to be projected as you know potential uh, starters for us so we were we were very diligent on all of our work um, leading into free agency we knew that again as you all know we had to be creative with it financially uh, the first move that we made of course you know via trade with uh, with Baltimore on Hayden Hurst was a big move for us uh, we knew that it was going to be complicated down the stretch with uh, you know, with where we were with Hoop, and uh, we really like our acquisition there with Hayden Hurst. You know, obviously it was a trade, um, but he adds some uh, some really good speed and athleticism to our team that, that will be really beneficial for us. Uh, he's a hard-charging guy, both in blocking and, and uh, you know, pass receiving and such. He's the kind of guy that we wanted. You know, way back then, we were thinking about adding him, you know, back when he was coming out in 18, but of course we had Hoop and we had our tight end situation set up, so we're really fortunate to have an opportunity to have him come in here. Um, you know, where, where we were with, uh, you know, Dante Fowler was a big thing for us. Um, we, we talked a lot about what direction we were going to go in free agency versus the draft, as I've told you guys all the time. And, 
We had two guys in, in our sights, uh, of course. You know one who talked about a, uh, a coin flip and, and, and Dante, and they were both right up there, just like we do in drafts. We, never, we, we decide never to completely commit to one or the other. We worked through it, and we knew that the way free agency works out, that, you know, in the end, one of them's going to be available. They're, they're not usually both going to be available um, full package, whether it's the finances or whether it's whether the player wanted to be at a certain uh, organization. So we were really fortunate to get, get Dante and, and, again, excited about all his energy. You know where it goes there. I mean, Dan has a really good relationship with him, of course. They work together They work together well in Florida. He's always uh, admired Dan and, and respects him a great deal, uh, as does Dan admire and respect uh, Dante's abilities and, uh, you know, continues to evolve as a player. And we think we, we, we can continue to get a lot out of, uh, you know, where he is. I think that's, that's obvious and very important for us. Uh, Todd Gurley, of course, a big, big thing in the in the, you know in this in this state, and uh, again, really, really fortunate and encouraged that we were able to uh, bring him on. We weren't sure how that was all going to shake out as far as opportunities with him, um, but in the end, uh, you know, it was an opportunity to bring in a you know a very good football player and one that we think can can really uh, help our offense continue to take it to another level. Hear me still? Do you learn anything else? We're, we're uh, here. I was muted. Muted. Sorry. Uh, the uh, the uh, mandate on the virtual draft and working remotely. Uh, where are you all at in your plannings for that? So that's another thing that's you know it's, it's caused a lot of discussion amongst the general managers, the, the GMAC, which is General Management Advisory Committee, as well as the rest of the general managers. Uh, you know, everyone's really particular about how they go through the drafts, right? They didn't have their draft rooms. They want to have all the technology. It takes uh, a, a lot of people taking a lot of deep breaths on it, D, as you can imagine. Um, but in the end, I really believe that, you know, most teams are, are quite set. And I would say from our standpoint, though technology is going to have to switch and, and we're going to be having to work out of our own homes, um, I feel like we have such a really sound personnel department, Steve Sabo and Anthony Robinson, you know, continue to tee myself and Dan up very well. Um, and we feel like, honestly, if this was moved up 10 days ahead and we had to, we had to draft out of the back of a shed, that we'd be ready to, to uh, capitalize on it and do an in-depth job with it. There, there it is. Falcons general manager Thomas Dimitrov. A couple things there. The virtual draft board. He showed us that in his house. Look like a bank of three TVs. That's he's got all set up. Uh, he's happy he's not in his buckhead apartment anymore. Wouldn't have the space to do it all. Uh, but when he was showing us that, we saw his guitar up against the wall, and uh, he had got the guitar for Christmas. Hasn't taken the lessons yet. Doesn't know how to play it. So. Uh, I don't know when he's going to find time to get get the guitar lessons in. It's not going to be anytime soon with the draft coming up. And he gave his boys a shout-out, Steve Zabo and Anthony Robinson, uh, you know, high execs. Um, I don't have official titles in front of me, but, uh, you know, uh, Steve Sabo and Anthony Robinson's got, they both got shout outs from Dan, from a coach, uh, from, excuse me, general manager Thomas Dimitrov there in that first little audio set. 
Now let's move on to Todd Gurley. A couple things have been interesting today. He uh, the holdup was over the contract issue. Uh, he hasn't passed the physical yet. I don't know. Uh, we didn't get clarification if the doctors out there saw him or somebody had to see him. They had to see something to to commit six million dollars. I don't think they would have did it without that. Uh, but as far as the team physical, they can do that later. I don't know if that was the clause they were fighting about. There were some offset clauses in there. I'm sure Falcons have a lot of addendums in their contracts. Uh, I know Tack McKinley had 31 addendums in his, so maybe we'll pull that up at a later date and see um, if we can point to or get to the language there. But, you know, another thing just coming out of it, Curly's 35. They clearly think he still has something left in the tank. Uh, the Rams ran him, ran him a lot in five years uh, did some number crunching here they were trying to get it to him over 300 times uh, on average um, each year 252 carries and 60 targets a season so that's 310 uh, attempts to get it to him at least uh, over five seasons which you know he was highly productive came in the league rushing for a hundred four thousand second year a little dip uh, Jeff Fisher got fired Sean McVay took over they went to the Super Bowl in 17 uh, then he kind of tailed off at the end of 17 and they was running CJ Anderson in the Super Bowl uh, and then last season, he still goes over um, 857, uh, which is, uh, you know, 857 is uh, uh, his career low, but he had 200, so he was over 1,000 total yards. But the line was bad. That's what a lot of people fell in the point out. You know, Roger Saffold left, Saffold left, went to. Uh, Went to Tennessee, I believe, and then another one of the linemen uh, retired. Uh, but it was a whole new crew over there. So he was running behind the 31st ranked line last year. So they clearly believe uh, that uh, he's got something left in the tank. Another big hole we didn't get to today. I'm going to try to go back and close that one. Nobody asked about the line. It's pretty clear so far that they are believing that uh, – Friedman was the problem with the line and not uh, the line itself. The fact that Chris Lindstrom was out was probably a factor. Uh, I don't know how healthy Alex Mack is because he won't talk about injuries. And then we had James Carpenter out missing time. So then you had Jim and Brown and Schweitzer in there trying to you know, do what they could do. And uh, Jake Matthews and Caleb McGarry. Uh, Jake had a really kind of less than Pro Bowl year. And Caleb McGarry just, you know, we knew he was going to have trouble against Speed, or at least that was a scouting report with him, and he ended up giving up 13 sacks. So uh, they got a lot to fix on the line if they're going to stay with this crew. So we'll see how that works out here moving forward and how that works for Gurley. I'm thinking load management. Well, we know load management. We talked to uh, – Dr. David Chow, and, uh, you know, he said, hey, you know, he can't be the bell cow anymore with that arthritic left knee. But I think 20 carries a game, that's still going to be, you know, 20, 20 good carries a girly, maybe 15 runs, five um, touches in the past game. I'll take that. Over, over the um, you know what the Rams were trying to do with them. I take you know that'd be a good, good mix. They they like to run a committee, so he did point that out. 
said it didn't rule out the fact that uh, they might still draft the running back. We'll um, look at that when we get to the draft needs here. So that's Gurley, what we learned about Gurley more today. About Dante Fowler, came out in the last couple of days that Robert Quinn wanted to uh, you know, they were after him, the veteran defensive end, but he flipped the coin and went to the Bears. I don't, I got problems believing it, but he said it. He was quoted. The Falcons can believe it. Um, I'm thinking the offer was better. I, I just, I haven't seen a free agent go to, go to some place where it's never been the money. And I'm going all the way back to Reggie White when God told him to go to Green Bay. God told him to go to Green Bay, but it was because they had the best money on the table, too. I'm not going to question what what conversations Reggie White had with God. But, uh, you know, usually, you know, there's some money on the table to where you go. So if he really went there for flipping the coin and the Falcons had more money on the table... And a better team. I would have went just on the quarterbacks, Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles or Matt Ryan. So Robert Quinn, chalk it up, chalk that one up. But Fowler's here, and, and the issue is he's a one-year wonder. 11.5 sacks uh, playing in the um, Wade Phillips defense for the Rams. They schemed him up pretty good. Didn't have that production early on. Had the knee injury coming out of college, then had um, problem getting problems getting his feet under him in Jacksonville. Ended up uh, fighting a teammate and getting traded. Uh, did pretty good. Helped the Rams get to the Super Bowl. Then came back and led them with 11.5 sacks last year, playing off of Aaron Donald. I don't know if he led. I think Donald had more sacks, but he had 11.5. Parlayed that into a three-year, $48 million deal with the Falcons. They think he's going to fit in the Falcons' defense. He trusts Coach Dan Quinn from their days at Florida. So that's um, their head of the game there. He's a fit into the defense, and he's going to be comfortable. So they believe he can work on refining his techniques and getting more under control. Uh, You know, instead of just being a free-flowing type defender, he'll have some responsibilities and so forth. So they believe he can still get better. He wasn't a one-year wonder and that, uh, you know, he might be a dynamic player in the future in Coach Quinn's defense. So good luck for Dante Fowler. Hayden Hurst, he he was the first one he talked about. Hayden uh, was the trade from Baltimore, the second and the fifth to Baltimore. Hayden and the fourth coming back to Atlanta. The second was their second pick they got from the Patriots in the Muhammad Sanu deal. So Hayden Hurst is a little faster, a little bit more athletic than Hooper. Not much. I I did the tail of the tape, and it really wasn't a a clear-cut deal. But uh, they believe he can run routes down the field, whereas they didn't run Hooper down the field that much. So that gives them another threat uh, up the seam with the tight end and Hayden Hurst. So that's we finally got to hear from the GM and uh, the big accusa- accusations here in the free agency period. Uh, didn't get into Laquan, Laquan Treadwell, Edmund Robinson, uh, you know, um, and I got Kahari Lee, the tight end from from uh, from the XFL teams. You know, we'll we'll discuss those guys. We would have been discussing them doing OTAs and so forth, but we were able to get stories up on them on AJC.com. But this was a a big picture day, 
And uh, General Manager Thomas Dimitrov gave us updates on those three key acquisitions in free agency. Now, um, so, free agency, the dust settled. Roster is uh, probably firm going into the draft. Where are the holes? Hey, the biggest holes at cornerback, which I called out last week, uh, you know, looking at C.J. Henderson as a potential for the Falcons, another uh, must champ guy. Uh, Kristen uh, Fulton's the other cornerback. To, you know, he's it's a little bit more uneven there. Of course, the uh, top cornerback's the Ohio State kid, so you, you're not trading up to get him. So, cornerback, linebacker. We ask about the linebackers, and they can only name two. And we know you need three. So, linebacker is an area. Uh, you know, Quinn and them, they found K.J. Wright and Bobby Wagner outside of the first round. I don't know how much he had to do with it, but uh, or John Dorsey and, and Pete Carroll. Uh, but, you know, you don't have to get a linebacker in the first round. So, uh, you know, they, they've probably been out trying to, they found Campbell in the fourth, so they, they're banking on it. They could find his replacement in the fourth again, too. So that they've, um, they hit on Campbell in the fourth, missed on Duke Riley in the third. So we'll see where that goes, uh, with the linebacker. Next, uh, is running back. You know, they got Gurley, uh, but, you know, not much behind them. Let's you count Edo. Edo Smith getting healthy and playing 16 for the first time. We'd like to see more Quadri Allison. Uh, then Brian Hill, good special teamer and so forth. So, you know, you could see a speed back coming uh, off the board at some point. Third or fourth is what I'm thinking. A lot of good running backs out there. And, uh, you know, we um, left guard center still a big need for me uh, and for them because, you know, Alex Max 35. He's not going to play forever. Uh, you might can get that in the second round, too. So I can I, I think C.J. Henderson first. Uh, you know, if Cushenberry slips to the second, you got a center. You know, you got to try to find a center guard who can, um, you know, stabilize that line. You don't necessarily have to do that in the first. You can get the linebacker in the third. You can get the running back whenever. You know, we've seen running backs come off the board in the sixth round and do a good job. But uh, that those are the draft needs. That's where everything is pointing here. Uh, just a few weeks out from the draft, we started our position by position series today. Uh, excuse me, yesterday on uh, Tuesday with the quarterbacks and the running backs came out this morning before the the podcast. So uh, you know, follow that. We'll be tweeting it out and have all the links in there for all the positions as we move along. Uh, you know, read with us. We rank in the top ten or at least the top five in most positions. I've been feeling pretty good. We know we got some space now, so uh, I can do ten uh, for us. You know, we got. We've gotten it broken down into 12 positions. We went the long way since we got time here. Uh, uh, when we got space here, too, with not much going on. So the, uh, we're going uh, quarterback, running back, tight end. Broke up the O-line into guard center since that's a big area of need. Uh, tackles, and then wide receivers. So usually if we're going five Parts we can we'll tighten it up and go wide receivers and tight ends do the line as one group, but this way we can get a little bit more in depth with it and 
give you all a little bit more to read here during the, the these times. So then uh, the next Monday we'll go with D tackles, DNs, linebackers, safety, special teams. Then we're gonna end with cornerbacks on that Sunday, the nineteenth, before the draft, because you know all arrows are pointing towards that. Dimitrov, um, you know, was real nice about his cornerbacks, but he said, "Did I know what the numbers look like?" I talked about the young guys, and then adding Bleedy, and then maybe looking at uh, the corner market here in. Um, corner market here late in free agency so I know there's a lot of corners out there uh, I'll go back and see who's still out there to see who might be a fit for them so before we get out of here I don't know what you all been watching I guess my Netflix binge is um, Ozarks I'm about uh, once I'm into second season episode 5 I know season 3 just came out I'm at the one where the FBI just came into the house and they just set him down at the end of that episode. So I'll, I'll pick it up from there when I get some time here. But uh, during the day, we're down here working in the workroom. I usually have the background TV on ESPN, but after a couple of days, you hear this, you get tired of them yelling at you. And uh, like, hey, I need some peace in my life. And so I'll go over to TV land and. Do some Gunsmoke, Andy Griffith, some Everybody Love Raymond, Golden Girls, all you know, classics all along the way. Gunsmoke, Marshall Matt Dillon. I think I looked up his uh, measurables one day and decided he was a strong side linebacker. <laughs> so that's what's happening over here. And uh, just a beep email must have just came in. So uh, we'll, um, we're going to wrap it up here. The 188th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. We're going to ask you all to take care and stay safe out there. The Mid-Trust Guitar Lessons here at the 188th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know. About the Atlanta Falcons. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-Hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop.